I'm Rachel Hernandez, real estate investor turned mobile home investor and best-selling author. I make a living investing in mobile homes for cash flow for long-term passive income. After many mistakes and lessons learned, I've been able to create the kind of life where I can do the types of things I want to do, not have to do. I created the Adventures in Mobile Homes podcast to share with you what I've learned so you can spend more time with family, friends, and do things you love. Mobile home investing can help you get there. If you want to hear real stories with practical and actionable advice you can use from someone who's been in the trenches and who's still investing today to create the type of life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Hernandez, aka Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresofMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on the 76th episode of the podcast. Now, just in case you missed it, be sure to check out the last episode where I talk about my video commentary about a new book where my investment story is featured with an international best-selling author in the personal finance space, including what I've been up to lately behind the scenes. You can check it out at www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 75. So today, I'm going to share with you another guest interview with my good author and real estate investor friend, Allie Boone. Now, Allie is the author of the book, Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing, which I read, by the way, and I have a full review on it, and also the book Turnkey Rental Properties 101, The Definite Guide to Buying Hands-Off Rental Properties. And today, Allie's going to talk about her real estate investing journey and how she got into out-of-state investing and turnkey rental properties. We're going to be talking about what exactly a turnkey property is and how to determine whether this type of investing is right for you, including the pros and cons of doing it, as well as investing out of state. Now, since Allie is in a high cost of living area, California, her strategy is to find turnkey properties out of state in lower cost of living areas where she can get a better return on her investment. She talks about her strategy of doing this, how she builds and works with her team, including tips on how you can do this as a mobile home investor. And I wanted to interview Allie specifically because she's got the expertise down on the subject. Plus, she's a good friend of mine. We've known each other a long time. And I do realize there may be people living in high cost of living areas who have thought about investing out of state because I've received so many questions about it from both listeners and readers on my site, Adventures of Mobile Homes. So if you'd like to learn more, be sure to tune in to this interview and definitely stay for the entire conversation because you don't want to miss out on Allie's special free gift to you at the end just for being a valued listener of the show. So are you ready? Here goes. 
Hi, all. This is Rachel Hernandez, a.k.a. Mobile Home Girl of AdventuresInMobileHomes.com. Thank you so much for joining me here on another podcast episode. Now, today I have a real special guest interview treat for y'all. I've known her forever and a day. <laughs> My good author and real estate investor friend, Allie Boone. Now, if y'all don't know, Allie actually specializes in out-of-state and turnkey investing in real estate, and she actually wrote a book. And I reviewed this book a while back. I will put this in the show notes. It's called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing. And I reviewed it a while back on my site, Adventures in Mobile Homes. So she's got that book, but she's also the author of Turnkey Rental Properties 101, The Definite Guide to Buying Hands-Off Rental Properties. So today, Ali's going to share her investment story and her journey and some advice for y'all about out-of-state and turnkey real estate investing, which is the opposite of what I do as a mobile home investor. I'm a local person. <laughs> Allie doesn't pick up a, a hammer or any of the, all that. But since people have asked me, actually, like, Rachel, how can I do this out of state? I live in a high cost area like New York or California. By the way, that's where Allie's from, California. And if you all know, you've been listening to the podcast. I'm originally from California, so I can totally relate. But, you know, when it comes to mobile homes, you know, people are asking, like, how can I do this with that? So I thought I'd bring Allie on the show. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Allie. Thanks for having me. We, this has been a long time coming. We've talked about this for a while. I know. I know. And, you know, I've had people ask me on, you know, uh, offline, you know, Rachel, like I, I really want to invest in mobile homes or real estate, but I'm in a very high cost of living area. So New York, California, those high cost living of areas, you know, like San Francisco, how can I do this from afar? And I was thinking, well, I'm a local investor. I only have a two hour <laughs> mile radius. So who can I ask? And Allie, your name popped up in my head because I know you've been doing this forever and a day. You are the expert. You were also a writer, an expert on bigger pockets on turnkey and out-of-state real estate investing. So I know that, you know, you do it specifically with the residential, with single-family homes, but this can be done with anything, even mobile homes, out-of-state turnkey. So today, I kind of wanted to just go over, you know, your whole process. Let's talk about your story. How did you get into out-of-state turnkey real estate investing? Tell us about your journey. By accident. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was not planned at all. And I think had someone said, like, well, actually, not even if someone said, like when I heard about turnkeys, I was like, sounds kind of boring. Like <laughs> I was I was doing some other things at the time, like investing in adventures and all that kind of stuff. And turnkeys just kind of seemed like anticlimactic. And I was like, eh. but it happened to be during the crash. And so like, as my more adventurous investing things were going bust left and right, this turnkey thing, I was like, maybe you tell me a little more about this turnkey thing. Right. <laughs> like, right. Anticlimactic is actually kind of a good thing in some cases. Okay. And I, I mean, the thing that caught my attention, you alluded to it is that when I was looking into investing, I had a corporate job and I was trying to find my way out of corporate. And at the same time, while I was finding my way out of corporate, I was also trying to do something smart with my money while I still had it before I jumped ship. Right. And so I was exploring all these investing options and flipping and whole, you know, what we all go through when you Google how to be a real estate investor. <laughs> and the one thing that I knew, I kept thinking, I was like, you know, if I have to flip a property or if I have to swing a hammer, 
I mean, I'm a smart girl, like I can figure it out, but I'm not naturally very handy. Quite frankly, it didn't really, I was like, like, I'm not trying to leave one job to go to another job. Like I just, it's not my thing. And so when turnkeys came up, I was like, wait a minute, I don't have to do any of that. I didn't even know that that was an option because you don't really, well, at least back then you didn't really hear about it. I think turnkeys have gotten a bigger name since then, but I just assumed I had to fix something up to be an investor. And, you know, you were saying earlier, like you're a local investor, I'm an out-of-state investor. There's a, There are pros and cons to everything. Mm-hmm. If I could, well, I say if I could locally invest, I have a couple of rental properties near me in LA, but they are totally different beasts than, and they're, they're not as affordable. The cash flow is not really there. It's like, you know, it's a different strategy kind of thing. So like when we're stuck in somewhere like California or high cost of living places, yeah, out-of-state may not be the number one pick and working with property managers certainly may not be a great pick, but what's the alternative? And so when you start to kind of balance out the pros and the cons, you know, it, it's you got to kind of pick your battles. But going back to turnkeys, when people were like, you don't have to do any of the work, I was like, now that, I like this. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> and so I just, again, I had this paycheck that I knew I wasn't going to have for long because I wanted to leave corporate. So I was like, let me do something smart. And it happened to be at the time, which this probably propelled me, it happened to be that at that time, Atlanta was a huge market and I'm from Atlanta originally. So I was like, well, that makes it like, I'll go there. Like I go visit there all the time. Anyways, I might as well check out this real estate thing. And it was so easy to invest back then. It's not as easy now, but it, it was so easy back then that I just started diving into it and it just became addictive. Like I'm sure, you know, like anyone who's invested, it gets addictive very quickly. So that's <laughs> kind of how it all started. It was just really kind of by accident. And I certainly didn't know how it was going to snowball into me leaving corporate. I thought it was just going to be kind of side investing, but suddenly everybody was asking me, where do you buy your turnkeys? What do you look for? Ooh, who do I work with? And (laughs) I just kind of ended up becoming this turnkey person unexpectedly. And that's kind of, I mean, a very vague version of how it started, but it was not really planned. And I tell people all the time now, again, if you had told me like turnkeys would have been my ticket, Wow. Like it's, (laughs) you know, it's really a testament to, well, well, I'm sure we'll dive into this later, but like, it's not, a. It, again, you Google how to be a real estate investor and people are like, you have to flip a property. You have to wholesale or like. Mm-hmm. You have to oh, be a landlord. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a landlord and you have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. That works for some people, but like, we don't always know what our strategy is going to be. Like your mobile homes and local, like when you find your thing, even if it doesn't always make sense on paper, it can become really a thing. But that's it's another soapbox for another time. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks for sharing your story. So, you know, we're doing some lingo here. And, you know, there's people who are experienced who may be listening to the podcast. Let's break it down for those who are completely new to this. Let's like, talk what about turnkey. Yes, what are, exactly. the, what are these people talking about? Yeah, what is, a tur- <laughs> is it a key that you're turning? And are you putting that in a lock? So, like, is that part of the rehab? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's dial it back for everyone. You know, we were all there at one point. What is a turnkey? key property, exactly what it is and what's the process of of finding this? You know, what is a turnkey? So the term turnkey actually refers to the condition of a property. The metaphor is all you have to do is stick the key in the door and turn it and you're making cash flow on day one. So what would be required for that? Fully rehabbed, tenants in place, 
in the cases we're talking about property management in place, basically you don't have to do any work once you buy the property. So it's stick the key in the door, turn it, make money, hence the term turnkey. So turnkey actually refers to the condition of the property. However, so you can have a turnkey property next door to you, but when people talk about turnkeys, they're most often talking about properties that are bought from turnkey providers. So there are companies out there in different markets that are conducive to cash flow and all this stuff that they're kind of, let's be honest, they're glorified flippers. And what they do is they go out and buy distressed inventory in bulk. They rehab them in bulk, and then they sell them off to individual investors. So they are flippers. They're just focused on quantity and flipping to investors versus like, you know, flipping a normal house to a primary home buyer. So when people are talking about, I want to buy a turnkey or I'm looking for a turnkey, they're probably talking about working through these providers. But I want to be clear on like what the term actually means versus, you know, it can get confusing sometimes, but yeah, you can buy a turnkey condition. house. I've bought turnkey condition houses from not turnkey providers, but turnkey providers are kind of part of the strategy just because like if I'm in California, you know, you also alluded to this earlier, Rachel of, you know, how do we make out of state work? Even at, what if it's not turnkey? And part of that for all out of state, no matter what you're doing, it's about the team in place. Because when you're local, like, you know, Rachel, you're managing the property, you're swinging that hammer, you're in charge of the things that have to be done for the property. When you shift out of state, assuming you're not doing it all yourself, it's all about managing people at that point. Because now you have to manage the team members and make sure that they're getting the hammer swung, whatever has to be done on the property. So you're managing people instead of things. With the turnkey providers, all of that comes in one. You can go out of state investing outside of turnkey and put all of your team members together yourself. But when you go turnkey, they all come kind of as a, so you get a team and a property all in one. And, you know, the advantage to a turnkey provider is, like I said, they buy these properties in bulk and rehab them in bulk. So their costs are a lot lower than if I just go to Home Depot and I'm buying paint, flooring, all of that, I don't really get discounts. But when they are contractors, they're doing it in bulk. It's kind of like shopping at Costco where mm -hmm. you can get each individual property cheaper than you might if you did it all yourself. So another kind of soapbox for another time. But yeah, it's the team members and turnkey providers. That's the company that essentially has all the team members in place for you. So it's a one-stop shop to buy a property. It's already rehabbed. And one of the, I was laughing when you said the other book, My Turnkey Rental Properties 101, because I said the definitive guide to hands-off rental properties. I learned a long time ago, that is an awful phrase <laughs> to call them hands-off. I need to change the book, honestly. But because they were advertised as hands-off, they're as hands-off as you can get for mm -hmm. owning actual property. It does okay. not mean they're 100% hands-off. And I've seen people really take that phrase or that idea and run with it and never do anything and never lift a finger. You've still got to do your due diligence like you do any other strategy, which is key. And a lot of people get a little confident and they don't do that and it's dangerous. So they are as hands-off as you can be for rental properties, which makes it nice. If you have a corporate job, you're working in Cal or you live in California, you have a family of five, yeah. you're not trying, you know, it's turnkeys. Again, there's downsides as there is with every strategy, but it's a way for people who don't have the time or the ability, or they're not in a location to do normal real estate work and mm -hmm. you can still invest. So that way everybody can be in. Cause again, I have, I've had people reach out. They're like, well, I work 60 hours a week. I have a family of five and I would like to wholesale. And I'm like, <laughs> when? <laughs> you know? 
exactly. Like, and I'm a wholesale. I wholesale honestly. muscles now. And, you know, I do it full time. So Yeah. When would you do Like, what, Friday night between 9 and 10 p.m.? Exactly. Like, that's not going to work. There so, you go. <laughs> you know, turnkey really is. It's an opportunity for people who, again, don't have the time, the location, the whatever. Or if you're like me, the interest. I just don't want to do... I've got my couple local properties. Right. I'm in one of them. And I just... I hate meeting the contractors and the handymen. And I hate showing that. Like, I hate all that stuff. So if you just don't have the interest, but also if you're in California, like we talked about the higher cost of living, it is nearly cost prohibitive sometimes to get, <laughs> right. well, not nearly, yeah. it can be very cost prohibitive. And out in the Midwest, you can get a perfectly rehabbed house for $130,000. You can't even buy a bathroom in California for that. So that is crazy. It, it does open <laughs> up the, yeah, it opens up the ability for people who don't have the options otherwise, or don't care to, you know, for whatever reason, they don't have the options. Exactly. So we're talking about turnkey, um, turnkey providers. Now, what are the pros and cons of a working with a turnkey provider? You mentioned you got everything. It's a one-stop shop, but uh, the other option would be for someone to go out and make their own team. It's going to be really hard out of state to find. And I've done that with single Mm -hmm. family homes. I've gone out and found found my own property managers out of state, but what are the pros and cons and what would you recommend for someone completely new at turnkey properties if they do want to buy it? You know, would you recommend they work with a turnkey provider or recommend, you know, building their own team on the side? For that one, it depends A, on how new are you? Like here, here's one of the advantages of the turnkeys is that everybody in that team already knows what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to go out totally green and build your own team, you need to be able to figure out if those people know what they're doing. And if you don't know, you know, the hard part about getting started in real estate, there's a lot of hard parts, but a big part of it is we don't know what we don't know. We don't know necessarily what we need to make sure that team member knows how to do because we don't even know that's a thing yet, you know? So Mm -hmm. turnkey is one of the advantages. I'm probably going to jump all over about pros and cons, but one of the advantages, (laughs) if you're a brand new investor, right? let's say you do want to go flipping or you want to do mobile homes or you want to do the more advanced stuff. Once you go, if you go turnkey, you don't have to stick with turnkey for the rest of your life. Turnkey can be used as a a jumping off point because the advantage with turnkey is that all of the hard stuff is done for you. And with that off your plate, you have the chance to actually just sit and learn the basics, which are what? Learning how to run numbers, learning how to decide, you know, a particular property, neighborhood matters, market matters. How do you learn that stuff? And then rehabbing, you get to skip that whole thing. And then the biggest thing is learning due diligence. And due diligence is not, it's it's easy once you know it, but again, you don't know what you don't know. So learning, and when I say due diligence, it's like you want to, if so, if this turnkey provider says, here's this house, it's in this condition, you want to buy it? You'd be like, yeah. Well, you also want to verify that it is exactly in that condition. You want to verify the numbers, verify the actual condition of the property. You want to verify all these things. And that's what due diligence is, doing your due diligence. So when you get a chance to just learn numbers, due diligence, Mm -hmm. and market and property selection without uh, any of the rest of the drama, it's such a great... People in real estate skip over the fundamentals all day. They're like, I'm going to flip this property. Well, guess what you're busy with now? Learning how to flip a property. And all (laughs) of that, like, yeah, when you're drowning and rehabbing and all that it's very easy to skip over those basics. And if you can just learn those basics, that will carry you through every other strategy possible. So you you create like a, 
kind of safer stepping stone type of thing. So one advantage is they're great for new folks. Mm -hmm. The other advantage is, like I said earlier, if you live in a high cost of living, if for whatever reason investing near you doesn't work or you're not interested or you don't have the time, phenomenal. And really just getting all that built-in expertise because then somebody more skilled than you are is doing the work and you just have to check up on it. The downside is a turnkey. The absolute number one downside is you. it's not a value-add situation. So if you've been looking into real estate, it's like do the value-add thing or mm-hmm. the BRRRR acronym. So you buy a distressed property you rehab it and now it's worth more than what you put into it. So you force that equity at the beginning. You can't do that with a turnkey. You're going to pay market price for the turnkey. So the only way that the turnkey is going to build that equity is over time. The market's going to push the equity. Time is going to push the equity. Inflation is going to push the equity, but you aren't purposely forcing that appreciation yourself like you would with a value add deal. So that is hands down. The biggest downfall is that I say the I say the downfall is that you can't force appreciation. You could say you're going to pay more for a turnkey, which yes, you are. You're going to pay market. You're not going to overpay. Right. A lot of people are like, well, you overpay for a turnkey. No, you do if you pay more than market, but you shouldn't pay more than market. But it's I don't want to say they're priced more because if you're brand new, no offense, if you go to flip a property, there's a really good chance you're going to cost more, cost yourself more in mistakes, things you didn't know were coming. It can cost as much or more to do it yourself and goober it up. So, exactly. you know, not all cases, flipping is great, but it's, yeah. So it's, that's the downfall is that, and you're also going to be required to do 20% down. It's a creative financing is a little bit harder on them because it's already a done property. Again, you're not doing hard money loans, all that kind of stuff. So pretty much you're saying eliminate the headache, skip it. This is what you get worth working with turnkey. So my mm-hmm. next question is, I ha- I get this question all the time. You had mentioned that, you know, you started investing out of state in Atlanta because, you, you know, you were from there. Yeah. So I have people all the time that may be in California, they'd be New York, and some of these lower cost of living states, maybe Ohio, you know, in the Midwest. And they'd be like, Rachel, you know, what if I buy a property, you know, out there and then just have, I know what you're going to say, but family members like manage it for me um, to like help me out numbers. or to fix it up. <laughs> you know, I get this all the time, Allie. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, your students have brought this up, you know, in the past too. Like, what would you say to someone thinking like their mental, you know, menta- their mentality is like, I'm just going to have family f- help me, you know, with this real estate property. So out of state. Honestly, that can absolutely work. For sure. First, I assume you like your family if you're asking that. And the, you know, <laughs> right. if you if you hate your family, like that's going to be kind of awkward. But the question is like, it depends on if your family happens to live somewhere that is conducive to a good rental property, whether that's from the numbers perspective. Like I've known some people ask about it and their family lives in a really rural area, which would be like mm-hmm. the rentability would be kind of hard, which they could travel a couple hours, but it's Absolutely, that scenario can work. Depending on where your family is, how close you are to your family, how much you trust your family. You know, some of the considerations that you just want to make sure you kind of go through a checklist to make sure you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot is don't force an investment just because it's where your family lives. And number two, if there's any possibility of this causing a rift in your family, you know, you'll hear investors talk a lot of times about don't rent to your friends and family, don't work. I, I don't want to say I have a strict policy of not working with my friends, but I've had bad, I've had terrible experience. I love my friends, but like, 
uh, like I don't like mixing work and pleasure because no, for me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If a if a contractor that I hired out of the blue, I keep looking this way because it's where all my contractors come in. You know, if I <laughs> hire a contractor from Google or Yelp or whatever, and they do a terrible job, I can I don't say get on them. I don't yell at them, but like mm-hmm. I can put my foot down very hard. If it's my friend, that's where for me personally, I don't know if this is everyone's situation, but it's harder for me to put the smack down on my friends. And mm-hmm. so if you have your family either managing or rehabbing or whatever, again, you've got to make sure that you're not going to sacrifice any part of the investment because of where your friends and family are or because of your friends and family. I saw, I'm on a, I think you're in the landlord's group and Facebook too. And someone just recently posted, mm-hmm. she's renting essentially to her son. And it's just, I mean, the the lines between mother and landlord were just, I was <laughs> I like, recommend all, it. <laughs> yeah. You got to separate these things because it's, there's yeah. just so much more involved. So but with that said, I've known people to do that and it can absolutely work. I'm, my dad is my investment partner on a few of my properties. Like we, he, he, he got so jazzed up after I started investing. He was like, well, I went out, I want in on these things. And we just have that relation. It's just fine. Like we, it's not, it's not a thing, but that's for every person to just, you know, mm-hmm. be, just make sure you go through a checklist of considerations. Like what are the worst case scenarios? And what are you gaining by, I don't know, this is kind of almost a side note from what you're asking, but it's like the question of, should you work with your friends and family? And so, which is different than your question of, can I do that? Absolutely. But do you want to? And just really, you know, I don't think any relationships are worth sacrificing for that. You don't want to, you know, if you're going to get a similar deal by not working with your friends and family or better deal or whatever, you know, I just, just don't let it force you into something, I think is my, my final point on that one. Yeah. And I think Ali was alluding, and I think we have the same uh, philosophy about this. It's one thing to partner up or if your family or friends helps you with the property, but it's a completely different story if you're their landlord and yeah. you're renting to them. Uh, personally, I wouldn't suggest it. It's not my first pick, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Those are two completely different things. Now, I mean, I've had a lot of good investor friends, uh, real estate investor friends, had horror stories running to friends and family and also horror stories working with partners that are friends and family. So it can go both ways. But Ali has a good point. Like it could work, but do you want it? Yeah. You know, do you want to work with them? My my advice would be see what your options are, look yeah. into property management. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you too, Ali. Like, how do you build your team? I know you work with turnkey providers now, but in the beginning, how did you manage a team? How did you build it from out of state? How did that work? I went straight to turnkey. Uh, my first investment before that was actually out of the country and it was a totally different, it was like pre-construction development, developers, all that kind of stuff. So totally different story. But I actually, you know what? I take that back. My house, that I, so I lived in Atlanta when I took a job transfer to California and that happened to be during the crash. And I, so I, I wasn't going to sell my house because it was dreadfully underwater all of a sudden. So I rented it out. And for the first maybe year or so, I had a friend who was kind of, now I had a tenant in there that was so phenomenal. It was easy. She was just easy to work with. She paid me every month. Like, I think this is a little bit of a unique scenario. I would not trust random tenants with this, but basically (laughs) she would just communicate. I had a friend in Atlanta who was in real estate and he could just pop by if there was anything going on. So I kind of almost had like a babysitter, but I was working with that tenant uh, directly which in no way answers how did I put a team? I didn't put a team together in that case. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
when I actually did start intentionally investing, the turnkeys always come with property managers. Now, the thing is property managers, we could probably do like a five-part series about how to work with property (laughs) managers and the hell that they can cause. However, I'll digress on that one. But over the years, the property managers who... So the turnkeys come with a property manager. Right. I recommend everyone interview two or three additional ones because you don't have to use the one that comes with them. And I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, you're absolutely not required. It's kind of more of like a, we're offering this to you, take it. And this goes back to, I, I feel bad knocking people, but this goes back to not doing due diligence. People are just like, I'll take whoever comes. Well, I don't want you to do that. I want you to interview a couple of managers because different personalities work better. You want to have someone you really trust mm-hmm. because your property manager will absolutely make or break your investment. No pressure. It's it's tons of pressure. It's uh, whatever. So like, I want people to really know who they work with. Poison, point in case... I don't have any of the original property managers that came with my properties. When I bought them, I didn't know, I didn't do due diligence like I should have. That's why I kind of shout it from the rooftops now. And they all ended up terrible. And so I ended up firing them, hiring new managers. At some point, they were great, 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 terrible. So I hired, you know, I'd have to fire them and hire more. And so like, that's the extent of what I've had to do for an out-of-state team. But in that case, it's like, how do I find a property manager? This goes back to what I said earlier. When you do out-of-state stuff, you're doing, you're now managing people versus the actual property. So the only thing I've ever had to manage about my houses out of state are the people and usually the property managers. And so like, how do I find a new property manager? It's everything from Yelp to Google to recommend, you know, referrals, all that kind of stuff and having conversations. The good news is I've always been able to do that over the phone and then they can handle the key transfer, all of that from the old property manager, which is great. So, you know, it does open that up, but yeah, I've, I've, I mean, if I had to put a team together, the hard part is like, you know, the, I meant to say this actually, but when you asked about friends and family, or right, maybe I did right. kind of say it, but the best markets, what are the odds that your friends and family are in those best markets? It happened to be, I got lucky when I started this, it happened to be that Atlanta was the biggest market at the time. And I was right. like, and that honestly prompted me to check. I was like, I'd be a miss to not go check this out. But Atlanta is not that market now. Mm-hmm. So like my favorite market right now is Detroit, for example. I know okay. Buckus about Detroit and I know Buckus for people in Detroit in terms of building my own. Yeah. In terms right. of building my own team, but there's an amazing turnkey provider there. So, you know, when it comes to markets, I guess I kind of said this with friends and family, but again, you don't want to sacrifice on the investment profit potential to stick with where your friends and family are. So if the other markets, you know, if you're suddenly in a market that you have no familiarity with, how do you even know if you're going to interview agents, property managers, all that, you don't even really have a reference point of how to know if what they're saying is good or legit, you know? So it it gets progressively more complicated the less you know about a market. Yeah. And one thing I did want to say, you know, I was alluding to, it can work with friends and family, but the problem is, you know, it could be nice and rosy for a while, but, you know, friends and family also have their own lives. Friends and family Uh also go on vacation. So I wouldn't depend too much on friends and family because when things go wrong, that's when people call property managers. And it is not easy to be a property manager. You know, they are stressed out. (laughs) So, you know. Like my worst nightmare. Yeah, it's not going to 
be always a hundred percent. It's and a lot of times it's not because I've worked with so many. Their fault. They've just got so much going on with other yeah. properties, and yours may not be the only one they're working with. You know, mm-hmm. so just something to always have a backup plan. You yeah. know, to think about. My other question is, what is your stance on homeowner warranty? You know. <laughs> Well, would you, I've used them in the past, but then I decided not to. Then I worked with the property manager with their own contractors. What's your stance on homeowners? Mm -hmm. Would you pay for it as a beginner real estate investor? Is it worth it? Or what do you think? The only caveat I'll say to my answer is that I haven't worked with them in so long that I don't know the current status of the companies. You know, the big thing, it's like insurance companies, like home warranty companies can advertise all they want, but if they don't actually buck up when the, when you need them, you know, and I've heard a lot of horror stories like that. It's like, Hey, I filed this with my home warranty company and they took, you know, let's say the hot water heater goes out and the home warranty company is going to take six weeks. Well, that's like, that's exactly. not, you can't do that. Or and plumbing. So, Yeah. Like, oh, there's a pipe bringing water into my floor. Well, I think we can get to you at uh, at the beginning of next year. Like I'm, I'm snorkel gear on. So I don't, I don't know the current stat. I don't know if I haven't heard of a company that's super reliable. I don't know the reliability, reliability of the companies at like right now. So prefacing with that, my theory. So I started with homeowner home warranties or whatever you call them. My theory on those now, first of all, if you're working with property managers, most property management companies, in my experience, hate working with home warranty companies. They do. And and sometimes they will tell you that they absolutely will not do it. So like you mentioned, usually good property managers have their own in-house team. And for them to work with a home warranty company is just, it's it can be painful. Painful. So first of all, they may not work with one. They may not give you an option. And so right. if they will, they're, they might also be kind of mad at you. But <laughs> out, outside of property managers, like if it's just a random house, the way that I gauge it is if it seems like all of the CapEx items are nearing the end of their life and CapEx, mm-hmm. capital expenditure. So the big things, roof, plumbing, hot water, heat, you know, air conditioning, HVAC, all the expensive big things that have a lifespan, mm-hmm. life limit to them. If all of those things are kind of nearing the end, then I would consider a home warranty. But if we're not really there, to me, it's just easier. And I mean, it probably costs me a little bit more. But first of all, you have to wait till the home warranty company responds for starters. Second, you're at the mercy of their contractors. And I love my, at least my local properties where I know my handyman and the contractors. I love my handyman. I can't imagine not how like... I want him to fix everything. He saves me left and right. And so you're at the mercy of a lot of things with a home warranty company. I think there's a few instances where it could be helpful. Basically, all of your expensive stuff is nearing the end of its life. But even then, you want to really check that fine print because if you know your HVAC system is going to go pretty soon and there's some kind of fine print in there saying, well, if it's over X number of years old, we don't cut, you know, it's, you got to be exactly. Yeah. I think they're, the companies are known to be a little shystier even than insurance companies in terms of the reliability, you know, how willing are they actually going to be to pay out timeliness, all of that. Mm -hmm. As a, if I had to put a blanket statement to it, I'd say, don't work with them. It's just, that seems to be the more common stance, but it doesn't mean there's no scenario where, but again, look at the fine print for sure. Right. And I know the service call fee has gone up. When you were doing home warranty, were you paying the service call fee or was your tenants paying for it? 
Uh, the first warranty I ever, I don't, I think the first warranty I ever had was the house I lived in. And I, so obviously I was paying it cause I was living in it. And right. I think, I don't remember at what point I got rid of that company. If it was with the tenants or not. I think like when I bought my house, like 12 month warranty came like the sellers paid for it, like as part of the closing or whatever. Right, and I've known right. other people to buy houses where the warranty comes with the house. I don't know that. I don't even know if it, did I ever pay it after that? I think it might've just been a free <laughs> gift and I'm like, check yeah. So yeah. And right. you know, I, the last time I worked with a warranty company was over 10 years ago. I mean, it was probably 10 to 15 years ago. So that's why I say like, you know, insurance companies, for example, have gotten a lot more expensive over time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the warranty companies have done. Like they were, I say shy, Steve there. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but like, I would imagine now, you know, you said the service call fees have gone up. It's like, gone up. Yes. You know, yes. everyone on this planet right now is like, grasping hard like insurance companies don't want to pay out no everyone's like hanging on to their dollars i can't imagine that home warranty companies are doing exactly (laughs) the same thing they're like no i don't want to pay like oh well if i tell the client that we can't get out there for eight weeks for their hot water heater guess what they're going to do they're going to give up on us and go get their own hot water heater and we don't have to pay anything (laughs) yeah so Yeah, that's just some advice out there, y'all, if you were thinking about it. Personally, I did have it in the beginning of my real estate career as a single family home investor, but I slowly phased that out as I was working with more property management companies because they had their own team. But it also comes with due diligence. Make sure, because I've heard horror stories of people hiring these property managers and then the the bill is like some crazy amount from the contractor. You know, just make sure you, you know, you do your due diligence when you're working with property managers managers. So the next question I had is say, you know, someone wants to start this just like how you did. They're they're brand new. How do you determine, you know, because this is across the country, you're out of state investing, what states, what areas, what cities that you invest in out of as an out of state investor, as a turnkey investor, like how do you even determine that? Because there's some people like, oh yeah, I'm in California. Where should I invest? In? You like, know, well, yeah, so. 49 other states to choose from. <laughs> exactly. Where exactly. what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, you at least narrow it down. Just exclude the entire West Coast. That'll shave off. That <laughs> okay. shaves off at least a third of your options. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> when you're choosing an out of state market, it. depends on what your strategy is. For example, I know nothing about mobile homes. If someone wants to do mobile homes out of state, call Rachel. (laughs) But like, you know, that may be a very different market than where I am in the turnkeys. If you're flipping, that could be a very different market. And then within the, where the different strategies are good in different markets, it also depends. Let's say you're a flipper. How much money do you have? Because you can Mm -hmm. flip properties in Southern California or Florida or New York, you know, high dollar flips. But assuming you don't have that much money, now you got to dial it back. Okay, now where would a good flipping place be? And so the, the dynamics and what makes different strategies profitable are all different. You know, how you profit on a flip is very different than how you profit on a long-term single family house rental, for example. So Mm -hmm. depending on what that is, well, should 100% dictate where you invest. So turnkeys, for example, just to give an example of why a strategy makes a difference, turnkeys are, they're based on the idea of positive cash flow. So my, the income I receive in the rent is more than the expenses I pay out. I want to pocket money Every month, that's positive cash flow. You can't get positive cash flow in what most markets. 
or I don't know if most is quite, I don't know what the actual number is, but there are very distinct places where you can cash flow versus where you can't. So that narrows it down. And the turnkey providers aren't in markets that don't cash flow. It's the whole premise of turnkeys is that people want cash flow. Hey there, Rachel here. Have you enjoyed the show and podcast so far? Has it helped you with your own mobile home investing journey? And have you received value from it? If yes, then consider supporting the show. So, how can you show your support? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. The first thing you can do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else the podcast can be heard. Go to www. AdventuresInMobileHomes.com slash podcast to see the sites and links where you can leave a review on. I'll be ever so grateful if you do. And you may even get a shout out and your review read right on the show just for doing it. Another thing you can do is support the show and buy me a coffee. If you know me, you know how much I love coffee. If you've gotten a lot of good information out of the podcast and it has helped you as a mobile home investor, I'd love your support. Now, in the future, I'll be giving shout outs to those who support me. So if you do, that may be you. Go to www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com slash support for more information on how you can show your support. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash support. And if you want to take it a step further and receive exclusive only content, consider being a member. On the support page there, you'll find info about how you can view exclusive content, including access to new videos and blog posts, a shout out in a future episode for your support, access to video replays on my past speaking engagements, if you haven't seen me speak yet, and more. Check out www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com support to find out more. Thanks so much for continuing to listen to the podcast and for your support. Now, back to the show. But within the turnkey strategy, for me to pick a market, there are markets that I love that could cash flow that I don't know any good turnkey providers in. There okay. are also really good turnkey providers that I don't like the market they're in. So for me, the specific about turnkey is where is the combination of the good market plus the good turnkey provider? Because one without the other in the turnkey scenario doesn't really help me. It's not worth working with a terrible turnkey provider just to be in a certain market. At that point, I'll just put my own team together. But I also don't want to hate the market I'm in just to work. There's a couple of turnkey providers with phenomenal reputations, like a decade plus phenomenal reputation. People are obsessed with these companies and I have never liked the markets that they're in. So I've never invested <laughs> with them. Right. So it's, right. you know, where's that combination? And that kind of, yeah. you know, that, 
you know, it's kind of, it's unfortunately a vague answer. Everyone's like, well, you still haven't said what market. Again, it depends. And, you know, if you're working with turnkeys, for example, call me. If you're working with mobile homes, call Rachel. Because the thing that I've seen is people set out on their own journey to find a market. It's like, you can research crime stats, whatever stats, more stats, you can research until the cows come home. But when you get all that data, if you don't actually know how to interpret the data, which is the case for probably 95% of the people doing this, it's not helpful. Right. Like right. I live in Venice Beach. I'm in Venice right now. If you look at the crime stats for Venice Beach, I should have been decapitated a long time ago. Like they're awful. And the crime here is actually kind of bad. But like it's one of the highest dollar areas, like one of the most desirable areas. Like the crime stats alone do not tell the story of Venice. Makes it a very unique story. That, but that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I never and thought so, of like, it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think about if you have data. Without context, which is the part that most people don't have, you can't have interpretation. What do those stats mean? And chances are, if you're a new investor, you don't know what that means. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, if how 95% of people are trying to determine what market they want to invest in, and that's not good, what's the alternative? Talking to people local on the ground or people in that strategy. Turnkeys, I can ramble on about the markets that I like and I don't like, and here's the good and here's this provide, you know, Rachel can probably do the same thing about mobile homes. Like, I don't know, would you do mobile homes in New York City? I mean, <laughs> you know, like you're going to have at least some starting point for people. Right. With flippers, same with, you know, like I, I've been kind of on a shtick lately of real estate investing has kind of been made out to be a solo sport. And I don't think it should be. I think it'd be a, it should be a team sport. Even if you're doing local things by yourself, you know, Rachel's interviewing a lot of people on her podcast. That's team members. I learned from Rachel. She learned from me. And we're not even doing the same strategy. You know, it's, <laughs> exactly, right. it's exactly. like bring other people into the sphere. And with that, you, it's for me, I'm a big picture person. Those crime stats and all that. I, and I used to be an engineer. Like I love a good spreadsheet mm -hmm. full of stats, but they've never done anything for me. So I would rather talk to people, local property managers, turnkey providers, somebody to get a feel for like, hey, What's good out there? And right, here, right. You know, like they'll say, like Indianapolis, Detroit, Kansas City. Okay, well, now <laughs> I've narrowed it down to four, three or four. Right. Now let me maybe pull up the stats, but like let me hear from others of where people are having success and then dive into it versus literally, it's like they have a map of the United States and they're like, hmm, where should I start? Well, that's pretty much alert, how people they don't do end it. up starting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's where like, oh, I've got family in this area. That's why I asked yeah. you about working with friends and family. But do you want to work with your friends and family? Yeah, that's and another where do story. They live? Exactly. Like they live in New York City and you want to flip properties. <laughs> I mean, if you have a gazillion dollars in your pocket, cool. Right. On. Right. Like, right. Succeed with that all the time. You know, exactly. But yeah, exactly. like I think I think the furthest people ever get in market selection is ruling out the West Coast. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, that is not affordable. Okay, now what? So now you have two thirds of the whole nation to figure this out. Right. So I, exactly. I just I'm a big fan. I don't like sitting in data and detail. I hate details. I just skip right ahead to hey, who's having success somewhere? Where? And just right. you know, hear people talk and start and make those my starting points. 
Right. So, I mean, so let's say someone narrows it down, what, you know, what states, what areas they want to invest, they find a turnkey provider, you know, they want to work with. Let's talk about the process here. You know, the turnkey provider is going to provide you with the information about the property. You do your due diligence. Let's talk about that process. How, how do you handle the due diligence process? And then also during the due diligence process, do you actually fly to these properties? I mean, how does that work on your end? So I did initially, because honestly, back in, so this was 2011, this turnkey mm. thing seemed too good to be true. I was <laughs> like, there's no way I'm not getting conned via on the internet right now. Like, <laughs> right, I'm right. going to go, okay, <laughs> you know, like we'll do right, turnkeys. Exactly. So I flew because I, at that time, the word turnkey and the con- the concept has been around forever, but people really started talking about it during the crash because that's when cash flow was out the wazoo. And right. so- because it was a newer concept, to me, it was a lot less proven and I had no idea what I was talking about. It seemed too good to be true. So I flew there. Nowadays, I'd say 95 to 98%, we'll give it 95 to give people some credit, never go see the property. They buy sight unseen. And that goes completely against my recommendation. <laughs> Yes, you absolutely can do it. You can do all of your due diligence online. You know, you can, everything you need to know, you can do from behind a computer screen on a phone. You know, you can do it. And 95% of the people do that. However, in what, two weeks, I'm hosting an investor's tour in Detroit. Detroit was an interesting one because everyone has perceptions about Detroit. And I'm like, wait, but it's not like that anymore. But no one (laughs) believes me. So I'm like, okay, well, let's go there. And so that's- Yeah. And so like before COVID and all those investor tours were more common, but then in the buy-in frenzy, no one even had to, just everything was selling. Now we're kind of back to doing tours. I full-heartedly think that there are few better methods of due diligence than using your own eyeballs. When you fly to, and you only have to fly for a day. We're not even talking about like a week-long vacation. You don't even have to take a day off of work. I don't know why more people won't go at least one time. When I flew to Atlanta the first time, I got a whole day's tour. I got convinced about the concept. I got convinced about the rehab quality from this company. I got convinced about their neighborhood. So from that point on, I only saw the first house that I bought. After that, I bought everything sight unseen. I only needed it proven to me once. And then like when I go to Detroit, I think... This is going to be my third time there this year, fourth time overall. And now when the turnkey provider says, hey, I have a property coming up off Outer Drive, I'm like... I want that one. I'm, I know Outer Drive now. I love Outer Drive. And I'm like, I don't care where off Outer Drive it is. I want that one. And so like when I go meet the turnkey providers, first of all, I'm meeting the human behind the thing. You know, I talk to people all day long online, but at least for me, like I forget that some, that people are real too. Like my favorite thing is on these investor tours. seeing, meeting in person, these people that I've been talking to for possibly years, it is the coolest thing on the planet. But when you're buying from, you know, when you're interacting with team members, you can talk to them on the phone, you can whatever. But when you're with them in person, I just think it's, it's a vibe. Like you can build your own trust for that person without like, if I'm like, Hey, my Detroit turnkey provider is amazing. I don't want you to take my word for that. Like, I want you to feel like he's amazing. I'm like, exactly. I like him, but I want you to like him, not because I told you to like him. So right. meet the people to be able to see their, how they gauge the neighborhoods. Like, what do they consider to be a good neighborhood to buy in? Why do they buy there versus not there? And to actually see the houses in front of you and see the rehab quality, it's a whole different level of comfort and trust because now you're deciding 
you like everything, not because some random chick on the internet says it's great. <laughs> you know, like, right. And it's or, different when you're there, when you're actually there. Oh. You know, I'm saying from a local investor mm-hmm. versus you just see these pictures on the internet. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, one of my favorite examples, I think was this, I guess this would have been, I don't know if this was before I started buying turnkeys or maybe in the early days of turnkeys. So I'm from Atlanta and my best friend there is in real estate also. And so we were looking around the MLS for properties and these couple of properties on the street showed up. The pictures were so cute. And based on the description of where these houses were, I was like, man, I need those houses. That, <laughs> that would be amazing. And so we went to go see the properties we got on that street and it was, I mean, the whole street was dilapidated. It was a sketchy oh ass street. And Gosh. but and I was like, hey, wait a minute, what just happened? <laughs> I'm from Atlanta. It's not like I was in a city that I'd never been in. I thought I knew where we were going. Right. The pictures were amazing. The houses in real life looked nothing like the pictures. And I was like, I mean, we're talking like a wall falling down. And I was like, wow, this is like, wow. I, will, I will say if I'm putting my own team together and I'm not doing turnkey, I will 100% go there. I don't recommend anyone not like by sight unseen. If you're putting your own, t- if you, again, if you're established with your team, you have your go-to agent, they like, if you have this rapport and this relationship that you've built, yeah, you can trust them what they say. But initially, how do you know this guy or girl isn't like, how do you know what they're telling you? don't know. Like you don't I, know. <laughs> my, my thing about sight unseen and 95% of people doing it is very specific to turnkeys because when turnkeys there, there have been bad turnkeys in the past. There have been bad turnkey companies in the past. Most of those, I think for the most part are kind of out the bad companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the turnkey providers, A, have a reputation. B, they have a bunch of experts. Like, they are geared for this. So I think it it kind of puts you at a different starting level where you don't have to prove any of that. You just have to, well, I guess, prove what they're telling you versus, like, prove them, if that makes any sense. Okay. But if I'm putting my own team together, I would never buy sight unseen for exactly this Atlanta experience because I was like... Wow, if I just got duped on this one, I can't imagine. Like, oh, it was terrible. And so, yeah, turnkey, you can have most people do it sight unseen, but I really, I I full heartedly, like, I want people to go see these things more. It just takes a day, maybe two days if you're flying from the West Coast to the East Coast, you need a travel day. It's not a big investment to go pay for a night in the hotel. Flights are not that crazy. And the turnkey providers are more than happy to tour you around. And once you do that one time, you can just rest easy. And you'd be surprised at how many people, I, I, I work with a lot of nervous investors and their nerves will be like beyond. And I'm like, hey, you know a really good solution to this? Go see the property. Like <laughs> there's such an easy band-aid to this right. problem. Like I, I I have someone <laughs> who has been batting around investing for years. And now he's all year this year, he has been stuck deciding between two markets. And I'm I'm like looking at my watch like <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> how long is this gonna take? I'm like, dude, go to both. Because I and I just told him, I said, if you go to each one, spend one day in each one, you're going to meet the turnkey provider. You're going to see the properties. You will have an answer. You will know which one you like because they're very different offerings and they're very different personalities. Mm -hmm. You will be clear as day which one you want. No, just like hanging out, stewing in the nerves. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my goodness. 
I mean, time is passing you by, buddy. <laughs> yes. And the market's but, changing too. So, yeah. you know, as, I, as you, as you, uh, as you speak, but that makes, that totally makes sense. Um, like look, and I like how you, you, you have it where people can actually meet the provider, meet the face, you know, and then meet the property. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And meet the, you know, go on the street, you know, I, Yes, we have the internet. It, it should be a tool and there's a resource, but it's yeah. not the be all end all to real estate investing. You can't just sit yeah. on the couch. Like if you're and sitting at one of these making houses, money. Yeah. How does the neighborhood feel to you? Exactly. Like, you know, people say there's no feelings in real estate. <laughs> there are so many feelings in real estate. Not only are there feelings in real estate, you should be in touch with your feelings in real estate. These do not negate the numbers. Yeah, you're going to do right. all your, your number stuff. But those feelings, I'm telling you what, when I'm in different neighborhoods, I feel different in different neighborhoods. And that mm-hmm. is important. That's my other kind of soapboxes. I'm like, I'm on this feelings and I'm going to be like, we're bringing back the feelings. But like, <laughs> It, you know, it's kind of a funny, but like, it's also like when you're at the house, you meet the provider or let's say you're doing mobile homes. If you're at wherever you are and whatever you're exploring, you're going to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not what you're gonna make your decisions off of, but sometimes you are like, it's, if you feel, if you show up, like, let's, I again, know nothing about mobile home parks, but let's say it's like the comparable to this Atlanta situation where, you know, some mobile home park is advertised in such and such location and it all sounds gravy. And then you go there and you're like, like I'm sure that's a thing. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that it's not, but how would you know otherwise? And like, when you get to that now sketchy mobile home park, you're going to be like, whoa, you're going to feel that when you get there and you're, there's going to be like voices in your head of like, oh dear God, run for the hills. Or you get there and you're like, oh, I feel good about this. My (laughs) properties, even the ones I didn't see, I felt genuinely good about. Like I would Mm -hmm. go to bed at night excited about what I just bought. Never force an investment, but like, again, just go see the dang thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I remember it was like last week I was in a mobile home park and I just go talk to residents, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and this lady, she's out gardening. I was like, Hey, my name's Rachel, you know, I'm looking to see if anyone here is interested in selling their mobile home. And she was like, she's like, Hey, Miss Rachel, come (laughs) talk with me. And she's like, I'll tell you them. No, they had a fire. And then, you know, they they were trying to sell it, took it off the market. Them, they're going to stay here forever. You know what? I think that's a rental. And I don't think the landlord likes their tenants. Like she told me. (laughs) And she had been there since the mobile home park opened. I don't know how many years, 30 years. She knew everything. She's like, Miss Rachel, if you ever need anyone to talk with or or whatnot and you're in this park and you need to know who's selling and or whatnot let me know and she just gardening uh-huh. like, you know people know what's going on you know, i'll tell you we're talking about team members you yeah. need that person <laughs> as your team member and if you're doing exactly. this from afar how are you gonna know and or find that person wow. i had a similar thing happen at the we did an investors tour in detroit earlier this year and we all at the we were all at this house and this neighbor shows up in the front door and we weren't sure what direction this was about to go like mm-hmm. is he mad at us or is like what's about to happen his name was herman Herman sold everyone on that property. He had been there for 30 years. He's been watching it while it's vacant. I mean, and we were laughing with the turnkey provider. We're like, did you hire him to come in? Like he sold everyone and the turnkey provider's like, I swear to God, it it was coincidence. But Herman, who's been there 30 years, can tell you everything, those Compared to crime stats, what do crimes like? It just doesn't, you know, crime stats by them. That's the first thing everyone goes to. And I'm like, right. 
I don't, I don't care about crime. I honestly have never looked at the crime stats of any of my properties. I don't care. I care what Herman says. I care what that mobile home resident says. Those are the, the even more than what an agent says. And again, when you're putting your own team together, agent, property manager, lender, all those, where are the people who actually know what's happening? The neighbors. Go to the house, meet the neighbors. You know, it's like, again, you're going to feel different things. And that, though, like that woman, that is, I mean, she could be the absolute <laughs> crux of your investing success in that neighborhood because she knows it all. And she's going to, neighbors don't hold back either. They are the no. first to tell you what's going on. <laughs> no, I mean, some people are apprehensive, but you know, people are real nice as long as you have a friendly demeanor. And usually yeah. it's the people with the dogs walking. I mean, they're real yeah. curious, you know? So, and and that's actually the most, the the, the best use of my time to be mm-hmm. in this neighborhood versus doing something like direct mail or cold calling because you're face to face. Nothing yeah. beats a face to face. So it's funny because we're, we're talking about out of State turnkey, but we still advocate actually going to these properties. Which yeah, is it's really a, it's cool, the same thing. It's it's so funny how people like. There's <laughs> a lot of people who are adamantly against out of state. They want local, and yet if they go out of state, they won't go fly and see the property. I'm like, you do know that that completely goes against your entire argument for avoiding out of state. In the first, like, hello, it's all exactly. about eyes on something. And the people <laughs> who who will only locally invest, why? Because their eyes can be on it. They want to see. Right. I'm the opposite. I'm more of an out of sight, out of mind. Every time I see one of my properties, <laughs> I stress about something. Because I'm like, oh, I need to fix that. Oh, is that okay? Oh. Like, right. I'm totally the opposite. Like, I want them all out of my sight. Okay. But, you know, people, the people who are the opposite, they want them in their sight, which goes to show... Put your eyeballs on things. Like it's just, it's the easiest and most profound due diligence thing you can do. And it makes the rest of it easier. And the quick little note about due diligence and whether you go see the property or not, learning due diligence is not a one-time learn. I've had my properties for over 10 years at this point and I'm still, something came up recently and I was like, wow, I didn't think about that one. It's an ongoing (laughs) on the job training. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to get it right the first time. You're probably not going to get it 100% right the first five times. Knowing that the only way to ensure every single thing about a property without going to see it is if you do the due diligence 100%, you're doubtfully going to know how to do that. I barely know how to do it. And I'm, well, 12 years into my properties. And I do this literally full time. I'm not 100% with it yet. So just acknowledging that, again, you don't know what you don't know. So you can do as good a due diligence as you can. I can help you with it. Rachel can help you, whoever you're working with. But again, if you just go put your eyes on it, it locks up those gaps of what you didn't know. Things may still happen for sure. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you're lessening the chances of it for sure. Exactly. And then, um, you know, we're going towards the end here. But another question I did want to answer, because this is on everyone's mind about funding, you know, you work with a turnkey provider. Um, How does funding work? Do they have their own lenders they bring in? Or do you go out and bring your own? How does that work? What's typical down payment for investors? I know it changes interest rates are Mm -hmm. going up. How are you, how, how are your students handling, you know, also funding and also the changing um, environment in terms of financing? Not well. <laughs> Mentally, not well. I'm, that's my that's been my latest thing is just really okay. teaching people that the interest rates absolutely should not matter right now. And I kind of I go through reasons why, mm-hmm. like not that they don't matter, but you have to learn to work around them. It's this investor mindset for this is a I'm not even going to start on this because I could go for another hour. 
The last 10 years, it was really easy to be an investor. This is the punchline of the message. It was really easy to be an investor for the last 10 years. Everything was cheap. Rates were cheap. Cash flow was high. Everything was only ever going up. What that caused was a lot of consumers, in contrast to investors, consumers were acting like investors because it was so easy to invest. We're out of that now. The only way that you can make investing work now is if you actually have an investor mindset and you understand in more detail how things are actually profitable. You have to put that investor hat on. And higher interest rates is part of that. Do high interest rates mean you're not going to be profitable? Absolutely not. It's not a matter of whether you deal with the interest rates or not. It's how. It's like, okay, here's the situation. How am I going to strategize around how are we going to do this? There's absolutely answers to that question. But back to your point is regardless of interest rates, typically with turnkeys, because they're long-term holds, it's just your typical conventional financing. Some people pay cash for them for sure. Mm -hmm. And then other people either do conventional loans or DSCR if they don't qualify for conventional. With conventional mortgages, because it's an investment property, it's a minimum of 20% down. In today's current environment, there's actually not that many 20% down loan options available, period. For conventional financing, they're basically the lenders are requiring 25 or the Fed, Feds, you know, whoever's the powers that be here. It's mostly 25% down at this point. And that does bring in the downside of the turnkeys is that when you can't force that appreciation, you need multiple sets of 25% down to buy more properties. You need 25% down for each property you buy. You're not snowballing. You're not that. So that is one of the major limitations of turnkeys. But yeah, either pay cash or just your normal basic financing. Hard money doesn't really work because that's a short term kind of thing. You'd have to have a really awesome exit plan out of that. And I don't know what that would be. So yeah, just basic financing. Yeah, I knew an investor. He would actually buy mobile home parks with hard money. Mm -hmm. This is when everything was great, though, and interest rates were low. And then he'd like fill it up, and then he would refinance maybe six months to a year. But in that case, he's forcing appreciation. That's exactly the same concept. Yeah, exactly. But with the changing market, I mean, are any of your students either doing um, private lenders or doing owner finance deals, or do you see that as possibilities in the future? I mean, how would that work? Owner finance won't be owner finance won't be available with the turnkeys because their entire business model is based on they have to flip that property. Because a lot of it's not so much a question now, but over the last 10 years, people have said, well, if these properties are so good, why don't the turnkey providers keep them for themselves? Well, they do keep some of them, but their business model, they have to uh I was supposed to say regurgitate. I don't even know why (laughs) that's the word. What word am I thinking of? Refresh the money, keep the money revolving. Right, right, right. One of these words. Yeah, they've got to keep the money going because they tie all their money up in one property and they have to sell it in order to put that money. You know, they keep rolling. That's the word. They keep Mm -hmm. rolling the funds forward. If they Mm -hmm. only ever held what they bought, they'd run out of money just like the rest of us. Right. So owner finance is not really an option because that doesn't fit with their model. Private lending, basically wherever you can get money. And look. It's real estate investing in general, even outside of turnkeys, is very creative financing based. So, you know, there are that you can do portfolio loans, you can do commercial portfolio, basically. Um, There are, I have some turnkeys coming that are eight plexes, which would be commercial financing. Not that that necessarily fixes the down payment problem. You know, one thing to note with lenders is if you're going to borrow money for the down payment, it's got to be seasoned for conventional. You can't take a gift for investment properties Mm -hmm. like you can home uh, owner occupied. 
But I'll tell you a little secret. When I had an investor partner, I would just put the cash in my account prior to the seasoning period. And then no one ever asked where it came from. You know, right, right, you know, right. And That's that goes through for team y'all. members too. One of the best team, especially right now, one of the best team members you can have is your lender because gazillion banks will loan. But if you have a lender who is very investor friendly, and I meant to say this part of your question is people do bring their own lenders to the turnkey providers, but there are specific lenders that are very knee deep in turnkey world where most people tend to go to those lenders because those lenders already have the skivvy on turnkeys. If you go to like Wells Fargo and you're like, I'm buying a turnkey property in Detroit, they're going to be like, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> like, they're just not equipped for that. But like right, the, right. the lenders that, you know, I can give lender recommendations, you know, mobile homes, I'm sure you can give lender recommendations, but the, like the lenders that I work with that are turnkey specific, they can help you with that strategy. And why it's so important now is they can help you with that interest rate strategy. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, they, it's those team, going back to this team member idea is you don't want just people on your in your team. You want people who are going to help you strategize, who know what they're talking about. God bless real estate agents. Most of them don't know how to run cash flow numbers. It's just, it's not their thing. You know, agents typically work with owner occupants. So they don't, Mm -hmm. if you say like, would this make a good investment property? They're going to be like, yes, they don't know. You know, there are some out there that are great, but who you put on your team, it's not just about putting good, non-shiesty people on your team. It's about who's going to help you strategize, who's going to get you to the next level, who's going to help you counter these interest rates. So yes, you can bring your own lender, but there's a big advantage to working with the lenders who do this on a regular basis. Same with your accountant. I just gave someone a speech about have an investor and friendly friendly accountant who focuses on real estate because they're going to help you strategize versus the guy at um, I was going to say TurboTax. What's that little, you know, the <laughs> HR one block? HR block. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Like HR right. block guy is not going to help you. You've, there are so many strategies available with all real estate investment strategies. You want those people who are smarter than you to help guide you on what to do. Like if someone's sitting here listening to this and they're like, should I invest in mobile homes or turnkeys? Well, me and Rachel <laughs> like hit the boxing ring and see who wins. But right. I don't think either of us can tell you that answer for one it's just going to be a different answer for everybody. But what about your current financial situation? Which one would be more behooving? My first place I would go is my accountant of like, hey, I'm thinking of these two options. What, you know, would either of these have any impacts one way or the other? You know, fine. And then lenders too. What What's going to be easier to get lending? What's the better strategy? Again, making this whole thing a team sport, not a solo sport. Exactly. Exactly. I just, someone asked me on bigger pockets about how do you find an investor friendly real estate agent to help me analyze deals? I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Post yeah. on bigger pockets and say, does anyone know an investor friendly agent? You should and, analyze your own yeah. deals. You know what and, I mean? You know, a really good so. point about that is going all the way back to when you were saying like, how does someone pick a market? Even if you're sitting there running crime stats and all that, let's say for some reason you actually narrow it down to an area you want to invest in. Now you got to figure out if there's an investor-friendly agent. You got to find them. But what if there's not even one? Like, it's just agents that's not their... Typically, that's not their thing. There are some who can absolutely do it. But like, how do you find those people? And the answer to that bigger pockets question is... I don't know. I just go to turnkeys. Turn- yeah. I, I mean, skip all that. I don't know. 
Yeah, they're there to present you the information, but you've got to analyze the information and yeah. due diligence. And again, if you know how to analyze it, great. But if you're just starting, chances are you don't really know how to analyze it. And so you don't know if this agent is actually telling you they really know what they're talking about or not. So, you know, and I don't say any of this to be discouraging to everyone because getting started in real estate can be really discouraging, but just to understand better of like, how do we work with what we don't know? And how do we, you know, it's, it's again, how, not if. If or should we or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. how, how are we going to work with the interest rates? How are we going to work with the fact that we don't actually know what we're talking about? According to my mother, fake it till you make it. I, <laughs> you know, I only recommend that in some cases, but yeah, it's, it's how do you work with where you are? And when you can master that, the world really becomes at your fingertips. Exactly. Exactly. So what advice do you have for someone, you know, they're watching this and they're like, you know what, I think I want to do this turnkey real estate investing. Like what advice do you have for people who, you know, want to get started in this niche and also want to get some more information? I know you've got a Facebook group. Um, I forgot the name of the Facebook group, but I'm part of it, y'all, but I'm kind of lurking in there. Obviously Um, active. (laughs) No, I'm just lurking in there. But But um, yeah, how can they get started and get some more information about this? Yeah. So my overarching advice, which is more broad than what you're asking, the thing that helped me the most as I got and started in real estate and entrepreneurship, all this stuff, my absolute go-to quote that I probably think about once a day, even just in life is don't take advice from someone you went and trade shoes with. Let's say that, you know, I'm sitting here talking about like, I prefer out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to invest locally. Well, if all that sounds terrible to you, don't take my advice. Like, (laughs) you know, like, And I say that because, again, if you Google how to be a real estate investor, everyone's going to say you should flip a property, you should wholesale, whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's say passive income is your dream. Well, should you wholesale? Probably not. You know, Mm -hmm. really look at who you're talking to, but it goes back to this team sport thing. You know, ask the people who you would trade shoes with and who are doing things that you want to do. If the dude behind the desk working nine to five is pitching you financial freedom, well, you know, I'd rather take advice about financial freedom from someone who actually has it call me crazy. So that's my blanketed advice for everyone getting started is because there is so much that's about to come your way, it can help distinguish. Like if you, if you work that full-time job and you have a family of five, don't take the advice about wholesaling, you know, really start distinguishing what sounds good. What doesn't, who's talking, who's telling you what, because everyone in this industry is going to try and tell you what to do. And I think Mm -hmm. it's naive because I can't tell it to you. Rachel can't tell it to you. We can help you get to your answer. But if we claim to know the answer, we're full of it. But it's Rachel's like, huh, I can do mobile homes. (laughs) But like, you know, use discernment as you start getting about the strategies, about the people. That's my overarching advice. Turnkeys. One thing to understand is there's two types of turnkey companies. There's the turnkey providers. We talked about them. They're the ones who go buy the properties. They, you essentially buy the property from them. They're the flippers. There's turnkey marketers, such as myself, I was in denial that I was a turnkey marketer for, I don't know, 10 years or so, but I'm 100% a turnkey marketer. What the (laughs) marketers do, there's probably maybe one, two, three, five, somewhere between like six and 10 companies that we all do the same thing is we go out and we vet turnkey providers. Like I go meet the turnkey provider in Detroit. I check out Detroit. I kind of put my stamp of approval on things. And then, so if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I want to buy a turnkey. 
I can say, well, I and I do this on the daily. Well, I've got this provider in Detroit. I love, here's the pros and cons about here. I also have this provider in St. Louis who here's the pros and cons about that. You know, the marketers, we're not the ones who own the properties. We're the ones who are connected to the people who own the properties. So one of the advantages, whether you work with me or any other marketing company, the advantage to us, if you go to the uh, my turnkey provider in Detroit, if you hear he's going to be like, wow, you referred to me a lot. If you go to him <laughs> and you say, hey, what's the best market to buy turnkeys in? He's going to be like, Detroit. Because <laughs> like, right, that's where that's, he does business. Yeah. yeah, most of the providers are in one market, maybe two, maybe three and a crazy, but like they don't have the different, all the different turnkey providers that I work with all offer something very different. So if cash flow is your goal, I'm going to send you one direction. If appreciation potential is your goal, I'm going to send you this direction. If least headaches is your goal, you're going this direction. You know, I can, I can strategize with you of there are multiple turnkey markets, for example, and there's not just one out there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm never going to tell everyone that they should all buy in Detroit. So Understand that if you start the turnkey process, there are two different kinds of companies. And it's good to be clear just because a lot of people are working with a marketer and they think they're the turnkey provider. I don't know if it actually matters. I really am a big fan of people understanding more thoroughly what is happening. But if you have turnkey questions, again, me, obviously, I feel pretty good about my skills and my company, but like, I don't want to say you have to work with me either. You can go to any of the turnkey marketers, quite frankly, and go to the turnkey providers. And you can talk to multiples of us and see who you click with and see who says what. All the marketers were all focused on different markets. Yeah. And then resources. resources. So one thing is, so we talked about my book briefly. We didn't really dive into what it is. You can see copies of it behind me. Yes. My intention with this book was I come at real estate from a very different perspective. If you hadn't already picked up on that, I want to talk about feelings in real estate. I think why the reason I called the book, not your how-to guide is because everyone seems to skip to handing you the how-to guide without you ever actually knowing which strategy you should be doing. How can I hand you a how-to guide on flipping if you have no idea if you should actually be flipping? And so I wanted to take it backwards a little bit and kind of like, if you're brand new, how do you, you've probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably researched real estate investing and you've probably very quickly learned that there is just an overwhelming amount of information and an overwhelming amount of options. World is at your fingertips, which is good news. And it's terrible news because how do you ever get started? And so my intention with that book was really to take it the step backwards before the how-to, spoiler alert, there's a how-to guide at the end, but <laughs> it's the how to like, how to decide on your strategy, how to actually get started, how-to guide. But leading up to that, talking about mindset, strengths and weaknesses, like how to help you decide what you should be doing in real estate. So with that said, I set up a link just for you guys, just for Rachel's crew. So my company's name is Hipster Investments. If you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash mobile adventures, I set up a link where you can get a free digital copy of the book. It's also on Very Amazon. Cool. So if you're like me and you have to hold a paper copy, there's a link to Amazon on there. But also too, when you get the book, you'll get subscribed to my email blast. And Rachel mentioned my Facebook group. So the Facebook group is called Turnkey Rental Properties. So facebook.com slash group slash Turnkey Rental Properties. Absolutely. I would love to have you in there. But if you're subscribed to my email blast, I'm actually in the process right now. I haven't even told Rachel this. I'm in the process of building 
<laughs> an online community outside of Facebook. Facebook is so limiting that I'm gonna I'm building a community both for turnkey people and brand new investors. It's gonna be super expansive. Like it's a months long project of building this. So you'll get if you get subscribed to my email blast, you'll get notifications when that starts to become live. Because I would absolutely love to have everybody in there, and that is really where I want to build. Like I want every new investor in there because we're going to help you figure out what you should be doing, how you should, you know, it's that when you don't know what you don't know, we want to try and give you what you don't know as much as possible and just moral support because where can you find that these days? That is really cool about you giving that free gift, that book, y'all. It is a very good book. I highly recommend it. I will put all these links in the show notes, as well as my review of the book as well, too. And then also Allie's Facebook group on Facebook, if you want to check out that group. So Allie, how can people get a hold of you? How can they reach you if they have any questions? What are your socials and your website? All that good stuff. Yeah, so my socials are all Allie Boone Invest, A-L-I-B-O-O-N-E-I-N-V-S-T. Hadn't really ever spelled out invest <laughs> before. Allie Boone Invest. So Instagram, I'm about to really start trying to build that one. YouTube, I've got a big YouTube channel with a lot of videos, different playlists broken down into like turnkey versus new investors versus whatever. And then you can always email me directly, Allie, A-L-I at hipsterinvestments.com. But if you get the book, you'll also get all of my contact information there also. And I would love to hear back. Like if you check out the book, if you have questions, if you have feedback, like I'm a, I'm an engaging type of person. I want to hear from everybody. So yeah, I'd love to meet all of you. And if y'all like the book, like I did, be sure to put a review on her Amazon Pretty book please. profile. <laughs> Pretty please. She's a really good, <laughs> I really like Allie because we're good friends because she's a very good, but also witty writer. And yeah. I enjoy that. She's very entertaining to read. You will not be disappointed. And I tried to, I tried to put some person, <laughs> let's be honest, real estate investing books can be dry. I did everything from like, I've got bar graphs. Like, yeah, I tried to, cause I, that's the other thing too, is like, I really want to bring, it's just such a, it can be, feel like such a tough industry. And it's just, you know, there's not a lot, I feel like there's not a lot of laughing. There's not a lot of no feeling. <laughs> it, not that we're all going to have a therapy session. It's not, we don't have to be scared of feelings. We're just, you know, like, bring in the realness. A lot of people are terrified of fear of failure, of like the overwhelm, the thing, like that's the stuff that we need to be navigating, not just answering it with, here's how you wholesale. Like, it, you know, and I want, I want more people to feel included in this industry because there's no reason for people to not be in this industry other than it's just the barrier to entry is difficult because nobody knows who they should be listening to, whatever. So that was part of the point of the book too, is really to just bring like a little bit of softness to this kind of I don't want to say hardened industry, but it's a tougher industry. It's a, it's a unique industry. It's, it is what it is. It's both the good news and the bad news. Exactly. And then let's talk very briefly about your other book. You have another book. Um, can you tell us the title of the book? It is about turnkey real estate investing and what that covers too. Yeah. Turnkey Rental Properties 101, the definitive guide to hands-off rental properties, which I've got to change that tagline just because people take that hands-off thing way too seriously. That is just a basic. I actually wrote that one years ago. It's just the basics of turnkeys. I don't ever want to say don't buy one of my books. You can certainly buy one of my books, but also too, like, it's not the only way to get all that information. Like it's a lot of the information, I don't want to say the information's evolved, but the means of getting that information out has evolved. Like if you go in the turnkeys group, you're going to learn a lot of things. I gave you one of the chapters of turnkey providers versus turnkey marketers. You know, it's just a very basic level. If you just want to have kind of a more solid understanding and feel for the turnkey industry, 
It's a phenomenal book and it's cheap. It's an ebook. No big deal. Uh, not your how-to guide. You can get paperback. That's a bigger, like legit book. Yeah. So Turnkey Rental Properties 101. And the new online community is going to be the, that's the, that's the, and you have your website too. Yeah. And I have the website hipsterinvestments.com and I'd be completely amiss to, to forget to say, which I'm really bad salesperson. Uh, I do offer one-on-one coaching and that is something that I think is very hard to find in this industry. Like it's like paid hourly. Some people just do individual sessions and then they're off to the races. Some people like I can stay on, you know, we do twice a month and we're trying to get them to a goal. Mm-hmm. So having an accountability partner, a support partner, you have my email and contact information while you're working on whatever it is, you know, and really to have somebody one-on-one alongside you and you don't have to just be doing turnkeys. I probably work with at least half the people I work with are not turnkeys. And so the analogy I give when we're doing coaching together, I'm like your driver's ed teacher. I have my emergency set of brake pedals in case you try and kill me, but otherwise (laughs) you're driving the car and I'm just over there saying, turn left, turn right, watch out for that semi you know, it's, it's like, how do we get you to where you're going safely while teaching you to drive the car? Like that's what we're doing together. So it's not, it can be turnkeys for sure. But if it's not turnkeys, if you want to flip properties, I'm not going to tell you how to flip a property, but we're going to, I don't want to say learn it together, but I'm going to tell you what you need to know in order to successfully flip a property. And then you're going to go get those answers kind of thing. So it's kind of like that guiding support. So I think in real estate, it's just, I don't know of other one-on-one coaches. So I do offer that, but yeah, that's all over the website. And I do offer that for sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll dig up those links and put them in the show notes y'all. One thing I didn't want to ask before we go here is do you do group coaching too for, for this or? I do. I, it's been a little bit on pause. Uh, I was traveling a lot this year. I'm with this new online community. I'm going to do monthly group coaching. And so what I do in group coaching is like whoever raises their hand or whatever, I'll coach them in front of everyone else. So it's free for you and you get to learn, you know, it may not be your exact situation, but it's, it's pretty cool. And it's just a cool time to be able to network and all that. So that's going to kick back up. I'm also going to start with the online community, like a monthly happy hour, like have a daytime happy hour, evening happy hour, just hang out. It doesn't matter what strategy you're doing, just like-minded people hanging out like we were at happy hour. So I've got a lot of stuff coming with that online community, which I'm really jazzed about. So make sure you're subscribed so you'll get the notifications when that gets going. Should be in the next month or two for sure. Wow. Very cool, y'all. Lots of good stuff here. I'll put everything in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining me here, Allie. We'll probably bring her back on the show in the future to give us updates. And this is part of my author series this year uh, on the podcast of 2023. So without further ado, um, hope y'all have a good day. Thank you so much, Allie, for coming on, talking about turnkey investing and out-of-state investing. This is Rachel Hernandez, aka Mobile Home Girl of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast. Talk to you guys later. So there you have it. My guest interview with my good author and real estate investor friend, Allie Boone. So what did you think? Did you learn a lot from the interview? I hope so. Now, as mentioned in the interview, be sure to check out Allie's free gift to you as a valued listener of the podcast, which I'll link up here right in the show notes. Plus, be sure to check out Allie's website and all her socials which I'll also link up here. Definitely contact her if you have any questions about out-of-state investing and turnkey rental properties. She's definitely the expert on the subject. Now, 
As of this recording, I'm working on a new video training class on an important topic in mobile home investing, as well as a new coaching program, especially for mobile home investors. And if you'd like the latest scoop on what I've been doing lately, definitely check out my support page because these video trainings, video commentaries, and updates are just one of the perks of becoming a member of my support page. And as a member, you'll get exclusive access to these videos on different topics around mobile home investing and also access to detailed posts where I go into more detail about specific topics within mobile home investing that you won't find anywhere else. I'm telling you, this is exclusive content and behind-the-scenes footage of my own mobile home investing business. Plus, you also get discounts to special events, and here's the kicker, discounts to my existing courses and classes, including a special extra discount to my Dodd-Frank and SafeAct course, especially for mobile home investors, just for members of my support page. And as a member, you'll also get an extra special discount on my upcoming coaching program. So you definitely don't want to miss out on the special deal. So if you're interested, go to www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com support for more information on how you can support me and become a member, including all the perks that you'll get that I just mentioned. Again, www.adventuresinmobilehomes.com support. And if you'd like to get the show notes and links to this episode, including Allie's free gift to you, go to www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 76. Again, www.adventuresofmobilehomes.com slash 76. Well, that's about it for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my guest interview with my good author and real estate investor friend, Allie Boone, on the show. I hope you learned a lot about out-of-state investing and turnkey rental properties and got a lot of valuable information from the interview. And yes, I'll be having more of these guest interviews in the future every now and then. So stay tuned. And if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please be sure to share it with family and friends. And be sure to follow me and subscribe. And if you have some time, please write a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser if you've enjoyed the podcast. It really helps me to keep motivated and come up with more content to help you become a better mobile home investor. That's about it for now. Until next time, this is Rachel Hernandez, aka Mobile Home Girl of the Adventures of Mobile Homes podcast, signing off. Thanks for tuning in.